tongue trips. The words that come when we are inherited, the best a little wrong, delicious, controversial, tongues marred, powerful switches, platforms to leap from. Gender play loosening, lifting your not-boy shroud of shame while letting me sneak unseen back in to treacherous, absented planes. Words released from toxic old control by ruling and abeyance confused, by burning eyes and loving coals. Phrases as teacher I barely used, not wanting to draw their lines, the shoulds, and myself still longing to be good. That was great. You're so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. That maybe hinted on um, Rob as a teacher a little bit there. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a funny poem in that it's a kind of about kink language mostly and then goes back to kind of roles as teachers and stuff. But some of the things you don't acknowledge in the sphere of this kind of language that people use is where it really usually comes from is childhood. And that's a dangerous link to make. I probably would never have written that poem when I was a uh, practicing public sector teacher but so you were a teacher then yeah no no I was a teacher primary school teacher for five years um but I think it's like important to talk about the things like phrases like good girl and good boy and the way they worm their way into people's psyches and the way they are actually kind of not yeah. great things to use with children and then we carry them around as ad as adults and they come out in strange ways and mm. it's like you know the kind of dysfunctional ideas of goodness and dysfunctional enforcing of gender and stuff and there's there's some really interesting things around that that go on in schools mm. Mm. Um, and you start to when you're a teacher you really start to think about the language you use to reinforce children positively <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Poetry to Your Ears. <laughs> we have today on the show, we have Rihanna, one inky queer. We are so excited to have you. Um, I'm going to introduce you first. So you're a trauma poet, keeping it light, serving you queer, cripple, realness, honey. Big stylistic wrench or possibly just quite confused. Instantly, insistently and unstoppably intimate and inappropriate, but not in the fun way. Also, does <laughs> children... Ch <laughs> Some of this is a way to start. a yeah. tongue twister and I apologise. <laughs> with, my, with my French, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a nice mix. <laughs> also, does children's poems. No, really. Nice. I am Sophie Reed. Reed, right? There's Says, a quote from her, yeah. yeah, one inky queer is makes poetry that makes you horny. <laughs> uh, Rihanna has performed anywhere and everywhere that will take them, including at Devil's Dyke Night, Hammer and Tong, What's by the Water, Extra Second London, Rebel Soulbox, and In the Margins. They also host two poetry nights, Queer the Mic. A big literary stage exclusively for poetic talents from the queer and trans community and poetry meet cutie 
an online queer poetry writing group and open mic. Yeah. This is a lot to do. <laughs> lot to no discuss. kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for my bio. I used to have a serious bio, but I just didn't really suit me, so now I have a very stupid bio. That's I perfect. Really That's enjoy a... hearing other people read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's a it's a good capsule of of who you are. <laughs> Jump pack capsule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could, I could form a list there for the show to ask you questions about. <laughs> about everything that goes about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What on earth are you really yeah. talking about? Writing analysis. <laughs> Let's yeah. be serious for a minute. Um. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go back to the very beginning of how yeah, you started? Yeah, I can tell that story. Um, there's a glib version of the story, which I will tell first and then... And then there's a much more actual truthful version of the story when I thought about it. For, for a long time, I kind of believed my own mythology of the glib version of the story. So last February, so that would be 15 months ago now, um, I was solo tripping, walking on Brighton Beach, uh, just happily watching starlings and things. And um, this poem like assembled itself in my head and I was never a writer. Like, I did not consider myself a writer in any capacity. It was, like, bottom of my short list of skills, and you wouldn't even find it there. Um, and I... And this poem just kind of assembled itself in my head, and I was like, hang on, Rihanna, you don't want to be one of those people who gets high and then thinks you're a poet. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and I was like, well, that's a bit self-deprecating, though, isn't it? Like, uh, I tell you what, I, I made a deal with myself. I was like, if you can still remember this tomorrow, then write it down then. And then two days later, I could still remember this poem, and it wasn't leaving me alone. It was kind of nagging at the corners of my brain. So I, I wrote it down. And then three days after that, I wrote, like, three poems. And then the next day, it was, like, four poems, and then two wow. poems, and then three poems. And then it was just, like, a flood of many poems every day for months and months. And just struck by inspiration. <laughs> it was, like, a real dam opening, and it didn't shut again yeah. thing, um, which was lovely. And I still, I still, I, I think, write comparatively quite a lot. Like, no promise of quality, but huge <laughs> quantity. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the less glib version of that story is really... My nan had been sending me poetry her own poetry and Mary Oliver's poetry. Um, and I love Mary Oliver. I'm an unashamedly cheesy poet. I adore Mary Oliver. Um, and I've been doing some songwriting with my partner as well at the time. And a lot of the artists I've always liked, their lyrics are very poetic. And I kind of looked at it all since ago. Actually, there was quite a lot of groundwork in mm. there in the weeks preceding. And it wasn't just that I was tripping and a weird thing happened. <laughs> that's state for yeah. yeah but the glib version of the story is more fun yeah. um. it's interesting as well because when you know when you're in like a, that kind of state when you're in kind of like a high state very often you think everything you do is profound so it's like how do you yeah how do you tell if something's worth you know I suppose you read it the, the day after and then you're like actually it's it's all right, but then there's a wider question in general about how do you know when something you've done yourself is actually good yeah absolutely and the weird thing was with that as well was the way it like stayed in my head like I didn't even write it down and that poetry yeah. has a bit of that magic of kind of nagging at you and sticking in your mind in the same way that music does mm. but I think in terms of knowing whether what you've done is good 
short of the point where you actually get to bringing it to an audience yeah. and the instincts you have yourself about it. I think we have some instincts and stuff, but I try not to think about it too much because I'm terribly scared of shutting down the creative flow with mm. a, in a critic. So I'm just like, any words on a page are better than no words on a page. Yeah. And that's what I always say to people who are like yeah. wanting to start writing or are struggling. I'm just like, anything is better than a blank page. It's mm. the, the tragedy of like perfectionism, right? It's like you don't even end up doing it. <laughs> you anything. don't even start, yeah. 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 What was the process for you of starting to write and then sharing it out? So it was lockdown at the time. And uh, so I was like, and I have fibromyalgia, which comes with some insomnia. And I was like waking up at three, four or five in the morning. And I got quite quickly into this habit of if I woke up at three or four or five in the morning, I'd go, I'd make a pot of tea, maybe if I could be bothered or just not. or just like curl up in the center in, in this corner of the sofa and, and write. Um, and then when I didn't wake up at five in the morning, it would be the first thing I did when I got up. I'd make a pot of tea, uh, lemon and ginger tea and write. And it was my kind of. I, I don't think I'd have ever done that in a normal life, like, like without lockdown. Because mm-hmm. I'm always so stupidly busy. Um, <laughs> like, um, it, it was like my routine and it was kind of a little bit of magic in each day. And a lot of it's like dreams as well. And I think that just kind of semi-asleep, just woken up state is quite, it, it's quite rich with, with stuff for kind of automatic writing. Mm-hmm. Does there, uh, for me, when I'm writing prose, I feel like at that time of night, there's a kind of timeless, there's like a timelessness quality to where you you are and you, you're not limited by time. You know, you don't have to be somewhere. You don't have to, it's mm. kind of a kind of infinite feeling. That's Would very you? true. There's no pressure. And also, if you produce anything at 5 a.m., it's a bonus, isn't it? You're quite pleased yeah. with yourself. <laughs> you're like, yeah, look yeah. what me and my insomnia yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you're trying to sit down and actually try and do it at 10 a.m., it's a bit more like, well, I have 10 other things to do and, uh, yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm feeling a bit blocked up. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, it's... And it's, it's like, kind of... now you're going to be creative yeah. between <laughs> this <laughs> I, th- I think it was like, uh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was like Lewis Cole, you know, the, uh, mus- the musician. He mm. said that, like, the, the reason you can f- be so creative at that time of uh, the morning, the night is that, you know, there's no one else around putting external pressure on you to do something. It's mm. just you're, like, completely on your own. You mm. know, there's, there's the, yeah. you, you can't be helping someone out. You can't be doing if, something If you don't someone, know him, that's normal. Be... He's got a niche musician. He's uh, based in <laughs> L.A. <laughs> and um, he wrote a whole song called The Weird Part of the Night about that. Yeah, about oh, that. About, about this period, that. right, between, you know, yeah. between kind of, like, 1 a.m. and... 5 a.m. Yeah, oh, send of... me a link to that because yeah, yeah no, I, I live in yeah. that period quite a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not by choice. <laughs> I'm not sure we can put it on the podcast because of copyright. I check it out. Mm. Yeah. The, oh, what? Yeah. The, oh, you wanted to like uh, just a little clip, put, put you know? The, yeah. In the whip of the night. <laughs> That's like, what you should do. You, you should have it. sing it. And then yeah. the copyright's not a problem. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you wrote your poems during lockdown, and then how did you share them? So Instagram. Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. So I got into this habit quite quickly of sharing them because I was already had a creative Instagram. I used to be a printmaker. Kind of still I'm a printmaker, but I haven't made anything original for like three years. And I always struggled to be prolific or productive in that medium. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
so what I did with my Instagram when I was a visual artist was I just put up anything indiscriminately. I put up everything I made so that, again, not letting the internal critic, don't polish it up, don't filter it, don't try and make it look gorgeous, just bang it up. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I was already very much in that kind of mindset and habit. So when I started writing poetry, I took the same approach. And at first I posted my scribbly pages of my notebook but people couldn't really read them because no, you can't yeah. zoom on Instagram and because handwriting and, you know, all the things. And but some people really liked that and other people like I can't really can't really read it. I could not be asked to type them up. And also I have issues with computer screens and migraines and I was like, I can't type them up. So a way for me to make the content accessible to like, for instance, one of my best friends who's visually impaired just said, like, I can't see this was to record it. Um, so, and you know, social media is useless with audio only recording. So I started doing selfie videos mm. of, from the corner of my sofa at 5am in my pajamas <laughs> with greasy hair and bags under my eyes. And, you know, like, you know, the normal, like, I was like, I'm not going to dress up to do this. That, that became your brand. <laughs> yeah, it was very, my, my brands. <laughs> yeah. If I have a brand, it's very rough and ready. Um, <laughs> and so I'd post like the video and then often put the notes afterwards. And I went along like that for months and months and months. And at first I posted everything I made because I was never been prolific before. I was like, well, that's just what I do. But I had to start picking them because there was actually just too much. Mm. And it was like every day and no one need poems from me every day. Um, <laughs> um, and for a long time until lockdown kind of came off, that was how I kind of went along. Mm. And, uh, and it changed when I started going to live poetry gigs. And then, you know, everything changes when you, you know, this as a poet, when you first go to a live poetry gig, everything changes. Because mm, you have direct feedback. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a whole different medium. It's a whole different world. Yeah. Mm. You have to incorporate some aspect of performance. Yeah. I think doing, also yeah. one, yeah. one uh, thing that strikes me about you is that you perform a lot of your poems in a, in a good way. <laughs> and how was it for you to, from writing the poems to performed them that's funny because I'm still kind of working on that personally I feel like one of my uh close friends came to see uh my gig at Rebel Soapbox the feature at Rebel Soapbox a few months ago and he was like Rihanna you're just yourself on stage but it's great it really works <laughs> and I was like I will take that yes please thanks because that's minimal effort um <laughs> and I'm quite I think expressive in my everyday speech and things but I have been trying lately I'm watching you know other poets like they're amazing performance poets like um my friend Matt Alton for example have you seen Matt perform uh yeah yeah and he's like such a storyteller yeah. like, we're a big fan of Matt actually. yeah he's amazing <laughs> and he's such a storyteller and he enunciates every word and he enacts it mm. with his body and all yeah. that stuff and I feel like I I I'm still learning mm. to do that to like deliberate elements of performance I find quite yeah. a lot so it's yeah, it's almost like a different skill set from poetry or spoken yeah, word. Yeah, that. that's the <laughs> thing. I realise more and more the difference between poetry and spoken word. They're kind of two yeah. two separate things in a way. And some poems are meant to be on the page. Yeah. And some, po or more, some poems are good at reading out, but then if you put them on the page, they're kind of dull. Like, for my poems, I mean. No, no, yeah. totally. There's like rare poems that feel good both stage and page, and most poems are kind of like slightly towards one or towards the other 
Mm. And when you get one that works in both arenas, you feel terribly pleased with yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like an acting skill, isn't it? Performance. And I've never done any acting. And like the first poetry night I ever went to, which was Hammer and Tongue in May of 2021. Mm. And it was just between two of the lockdowns, I think. I think. Because I didn't then go to another until October, when I, which was the first time I performed, was last October. But I remember clearly. This is also recent then. Yeah, it's really recent. Like I, yeah, like I. Because now you have headlines and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really know how that happened. I think I just like I'm neurodivergent, and I think it's like it's definitely an obsessive special interest. Mm. But also, I work part time, and my my capacity, my health has been getting a little better. But also, you have greater capacity for something flexible mm. and creative, and something that you love. Like, so I've been able to devote a good deal of obsession hours to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, obsession hours, I like <laughs> Yeah, like, they're a different kind of hour, aren't they? <laughs> of a different length and a different expense. Yeah. But, mm. yeah, when I first went to Hammer and Tongue, I saw Sophie Reed there, and I was just, like, blown away. Like, she's, a, she's an actor as well as a poet and stuff, and, like, mm. her level of performance is just, like... I was like, I will never. I was with a friend, and I was like, I will never be able to do that. That is terrifying. I would like to be hurt when I grow up, please. <laughs> <laughs> and and then Jamir Early came on after her, who's a wonderful improv poet who I'm now friends with, and um, he's a completely different thing. Performs improv in a very poet. improv in he a very naturalistic way. Makes it up on the spot, and it is not wow. word salad. It is proper poetry. It's the kind of poetry you wish you could write when you were planning it. Can, you give, us an, can you give us an example of how? how I, I couldn't that. do it justice. I'd say go <laughs> to his Instagram, Jamir Early, and he posts it all the time, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, no one can speak in his voice. It's like a, a, a poet, poet form of like a freestyle rap. Yeah, it's yeah. A, and uh, he's going to be doing a uh, workshop soon in Brighton, which I'm going to. I've been like nagging him to do as well. So yeah, I'm going to be there with bells on. Yeah. I want to learn to do that thing. But mm. yeah, I found myself at that poetry night in May, and I, it's the venue we're going to put queer the mic on in uh-huh. actually, and. I, I can st- I remember nothing. I have no long-term memory, but I can remember that night. I can remember what Sophie was wearing. I can remember the some of the poems she did, some of the poems Jarmir did, mm. being there, being like, I would like to be a cross between these two people when I grow up, please. <laughs> yeah. So that was your first poetry <laughs> night then? Yeah, yeah. And it was a real, mm. like, it was a real eye-opener for me because I just had, mm. I, no one goes to poetry nights, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. We're a niche crowd. There are Most people have never been to a poetry night and mm. I didn't know what it could be. It's an underground world that when you open, when you enter, you just never, you can never leave. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's kind you of make wonderful. It sounds scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of wonderful because you all go to the same gigs, so you bump into, like, we've bumped into each other so many times and this, yeah. that's the wonderful thing about an underground art scene is, like, you get to know mm. everyone. Very fast as well. Yeah, mm. and I love, I, I love that social side of it as well. Yeah. yeah. People are more, like, approachable than a bigger scene right yeah. people are more open to have conversations and especially i find that in the the poet community the spoken word community people are eager to have conversations about the art you know yeah yeah conversations. i literally wrote a silly poem called chatty poets <laughs> um after, <laughs> yeah. after one of basie gracie's like i've got something to say notes at the lovely pub the round hill 
mm-hmm. who would try every time they'd be like trying to close the pub and the poets are all there like gabbling away mm-hmm. and they're like getting less and less subtle with their trying to close the pub yeah, yeah. <laughs> and none of us are, and all of us are noticing but not managing to stop talking long enough to like move, move well, what's funny is i find that many poets are actually quite introverted but then just we could just come out of our shells and <laughs> never stop yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, when, when you find something that you know a lot about or you're interested in or you love it's it comes a lot easier to talk right because mm. you've got something in common to to discuss yeah. yeah and it's like as well with poetry if you've just performed even if you're quite introverted it's like you basically just spread your guts out on the floor yeah. <laughs> you know like and it's a bit of a cure for the social anxiety because yeah. you're like well i can talk to you about like nonsense now because I have just told you about my deep and troubling relationship with my mother on stage how do you feel about that in terms of have you had that yet where you have done a really intimate poem and then someone completely you know someone you don't know comes up to you and and just starts a conversation with you about this intimate subject have you have you had that happen I'm trying to think of someone I don't know I think like I've had people come up and be like, that really spoke to me and we've chatted about it and I just kind of love that. Yeah. Like, I, I think one of the things that I've never really had great personal boundaries. <laughs> like, I will tell anyone anything pretty much. Um, I'm like in my 30s now and kind of gradually learning the skill of boundaries, but <laughs> it, it, like, it takes time. Um, but like, I'm quite willing to talk to people about really personal stuff and I think that works really well for poetry mm. because you are shouting your deepest darkest from the rooftops and mm. like my nan writes wonderful poetry much better than mine in my opinion and has written poetry for 50 years and has never published or performed it and um I've been trying to convince her to do a joint project with me and she's a little reticent and I can understand why because it's like there's definite generational difference as well in like saying that really personal stuff yeah in public definitely um but it just kind of I don't think too hard about it. <laughs> mm. yeah. and also, you've done the that headliner um, uh, in the margins, where it was all about your family. Yeah, I called it my family madness set. I felt <laughs> like I was uh, asking quite a lot of the audience that night. That and was great. Of myself. Yeah. Like, in, uh, how do you mean? Can you ex- describe it for us who weren't there? Shall I? Or shall yeah. You? you do. Um, <laughs> so it was. There's a narrative set, it's kind of um, a narrative on the estrangement in my family and how that affects my mental health and their mental health and kind of generational trauma. And it was kind of a, a recovery narrative. Um, and it kind of went poems about me, poems about my mum, poems about my dad. And then the last section I jokingly called like moving on slash everybody else. Because <laughs> it's quite an intense little narrative for the first part of the show. Um, and it's about like childhood emotional abuse that um, I had going on in my household with mainly my mum. And it's like no one talks about that stuff. And if you're in the poetry community in Brighton, it's mostly queer. And there's a huge amount of estrangement from family in the queer community. And no one talks about estrangement. Everyone's kind of ashamed. Everyone's carrying it around like this baggage quietly yeah. within themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just needed to like put it out there i was just like i need to put this this not be something i am denying or ashamed of or or whatever 
Yeah. So when so when you say you were asking a lot of the audience, you mean you just felt like you were putting a lot on them, a lot of like heavy. It's heavy content. Shit. It's heavy <laughs> content. Like some of my stuff is quite humorous, but there wasn't. There were bits of yeah. giggles in that gig, but that was some of the heaviest stuff, and it and it was a lot. And I had a a friend there at one point who they were all right and everything, but they did take a brief break, and I did check in with them, and it was like, you know. And there was a 15-minute poem in there that's to a backing track that's kind of big and unwieldy, big story, and, like, backing track and very full-on and very emotional. Music backing track. Yeah. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah, and, so. like, it's that's just, like, 15 minutes of attention. Mm. I did feel a little bit guilty. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, felt, it felt like eight minutes to me. It felt, oh, like, half the size. Thank you. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell us how you actually made the backing track? I find that very interesting. So um, maybe you can explain like the, the the concept of it and then yeah sometimes it's called and it's around uh, the James song of the same name and what happened how it came about it's one of the longest things I've ever written because um, a lot of the stuff you write you know it's like one page mm. um, but it came on Spotify Shuffle one day and I hadn't heard James for like years and they're one of my dad's favorite bands and. Because my mum is my abusive parent, like I've thought about and talked a lot more and written a lot more about that relationship. But the relationship with the non-abusive parent, but who I'm also estranged from, and it's it's stickier, it's more nuanced, it's more difficult. And in some ways, these days, it hurts more uh, to think about and write about. And I had only written one thing about my dad ever that was very short. Um... And at the time this song came on, my therapist had been trying to, like, wrench the talking about my dad out of me. <laughs> like, just come on, let's get this out. You know, in the wonderful way that therapists do. <laughs> Good therapists don't let things drop. Um, but, like, I... Uh, the song came on and I burst out crying. And I talked to my partner quite a bit about my dad, which I hadn't really done. Um, and then... Later that day, I did what any emotionally healthy poet would do, obviously, and uh, <laughs> listened to it on repeat and wrote around it a bunch <laughs> in a coffee shop with a stack of tissues facing away from other people, at least. Um, <laughs> we see the scene. <laughs> yeah, and it, like, it ended up like I was thinking that I would select lyrics from the song mm. that really spoke to me and I would write chunks of poetry in response to them mm -hmm. and that wasn't the first time I'd done that I'd done that with lines from different Christmas songs around Christmas because if you've got family stuff going on Christmas is really triggering <laughs> no matter how much you like it it's really triggering mm. um, so that wasn't a new format for me entirely like I write off the back of lyrics quite a bit but when I was writing to this song it turned out every lyric made me want to write. Every line made me want to write something. So mm. I ended up writing little chunks of poetry in response to every line of lyrics, mm. which made it quite long. Mm. <laughs> um, but it became the kind of narrative of my relationship with my dad, childhood to present day, and all the things that the things that were good, but also the things that went wrong and where we're at now. And it hugely helped me to process and accept it and it got it really moved me on in the way I was thinking about my parents and kind of you can't make yourself forgive people 
you have to process and then that kind of like comes and I wouldn't even say necessarily forgiveness yet but like acceptance mm. happened while I was writing that piece and then performing it like was so cathartic like and performing that set that family madness set I'd planned it for months and been trying to find a space to do it and thank you very much to Shanine who gave me that space to do it um and there's a magic to to yeah. to making something from those like most difficult things. Mm. But I didn't ask answer your question about the backing track. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Eloise had a technical question. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to give you the secrets of <laughs> the tech, the but color. shall I be really honest? Like, <laughs> I am not the techie person in my house. Is that is that your partner then who did the my partner Ollie Devon who runs Blue Dot Studios? He I, what I was doing, I performed it to him the first time when I'd written mm. it out. And I was hitting the space bar to pause and hitting the space bar to play the track. <laughs> and he was like, okay, Rihanna, I don't know if you're aware, but there's much better ways you could do this. Mm. <laughs> and then he constructed this um, backing track that basically has the segments of the song and then a like repeating instrumental loop from the song which sounds like you've just kind of left the gig and are in the other room so you can kind of hear it but it's muffled mm. which I did the poetry over and made it so that I could just hit the space bar on stage and it would start each new scene and each new part and it's genius and if it was me so you hit it on the oh he, he did on the stage no I was oh. hitting the space you did bar on the stage. yeah I was okay. hitting, I had a little bluetooth keyboard on that stool okay and I was hitting the space because I was wondering if it was all matched up so you didn't so you didn't notice no I didn't see no? it was, I think it's I a, love that you didn't notice I think it's yeah. a brilliant <laughs> format and I think it deserves to be recorded because it allows it opens so many possibilities about uh, the crossover between spoken word and music yeah that uh, there's so much to do from that yeah, yeah, I like Ollie is so busy and always working that like we don't manage to do all the joint projects we mean to do. But he worked on that and made it kind of beautifully like live and interactive. So it meant it wasn't a backing track. It was something I was like yeah. triggering on stage. And that was beautiful. And I, I would love to do something more with that. I don't know what yet. It's kind of because I'm not very technical. I don't think about yeah. recording things. <laughs> um, I just post mobile phone videos on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but um, I would love to do something with that piece. Mm. Um, and like, I want to do more with that format. It's, mm. it's very exciting. I think also about your set, what I remember from it is that you created a space to process these emotions that you don't have in open mics when you read one poem. So mm -hmm. I have many like serious poems that I don't want to read out because I just think they're kind of out of context. Yeah. And having that space, having that time, you can really get deep into it and people can leave and come back and they, they can choose their level of intensity in that way. And it's like having... Yeah, having it for a long time mm. allows you really to process and just be in that mindset. 
It's such a privilege. I was like so grateful to have that time on stage. It's like, it's like watching a drama movie, you know, you're ready for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't two hours, though, I yeah, swear no. to God. <laughs> no, it wasn't two hours, but the. You're saying it felt like two hours? No. Well, <laughs> oh, now we know. <laughs> okay. um, well, I think, I think I speak for the audience right now when I'm saying I really would like to hear some some of your work. Hey. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. So yeah, you got a poem ready that's called Mad Again. And it's from that set, actually. It was like the second or third poem in that set. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, it's important to point out to people listening that um, you're holding it. You're holding it in front of you now, but you have an interesting way of formatting your your poetry. <laughs> I call this messy bastard poem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of like a scattering of the words on the page. Um, and you you can... From what I understand, you can read it in a linear way, but it's also you you kind of intend the audience to read it in the way they wish to as well. Yeah, it's um I've got one other poem like this, Asking, which was commissioned by Disability Arts Online and is up on Disability Arts Online if people want to like have a have a bit of fun with like seeing it on the page and reading it in different orders. And that hopefully makes it like one of those poems that actually does work on the page and in performance because mm. it's a different way of taking it in and it gives the audience some control but it yeah. also speaks to like for me the fragmented nature of disability experience and of mental health experience like I don't write all my poetry like this but I have a good clutch of poems I've written like this and it's like they kind of just need to be this way they yes. feel like they want to if you know what I mean oh, so it's you, you want to get across that experience through even the format of the way you're laying the text out. yeah like it, yeah. it kind of just happened and then I looked at it afterwards and thought about it and I was like oh it, that really does speak to that it was less intentional <laughs> it's like a lot of my stuff isn't very intentional it happens and then I edit it and then I try things mm -hmm. and then I'm like oh this has happened oh maybe that's why I think but a lot of poets have that you write it and then you go oh is that how I'm feeling mm. you know <laughs> do you get that a little bit I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like have written things and then gone oh, that's, that's what's going on. Hmm. Um, there's like a clarity that it's comes very spontaneous through the process. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like with, the, with mental health as well, there's this like expectation that people with mental health, especially in crisis, like you're expected to tell your story to complete strangers in a, and I say this as somebody who worked in NHS mental health, you know, I've been on the other side of that coin, but in a calm, ordered rational linear way like to in order to get help to access help people in crisis are expected to do the almost impossible and so that's one of the reasons why like this poem yeah. i've performed it before in different orders and things because i was like that is not a reasonable expectation <laughs> um yeah so shall, shall I do the like less linear reading mm -hmm. first? Yeah. And then I can read it in a more linear way. Mm. Yeah, that, I think that'd be really interesting, yeah. Mad again. And I'm mad again. Not angry. Two nods from my GP. It's raining diagnoses. It's too much to take. Even though the doc's weirdly great. Even though I didn't want what's all in my head, yet more labels, I've got so many and knew these anyway, so it shouldn't matter. On-screen coded collection of badges, but trauma feels different when confirmed by another. 
crazy in one day. More conditions. I've had enough. But there they are. ADHD. PTSD. Validation oscillating to mad. Knew I was struggling lately, even for me. When I can get to him, medical gaslighting, it's all in my body too. Nothing wrong with it. I spotted, pinned on years ago, amazing it was so late, really. Death wishing decades just prior to neglecting myself, ignoring my own needs. Stress broke. Nothing new about it, the depression label. My body, my childhood, mental health isn't news to me. On that screen as well, before so many others. So long, so badly, so blindly. My childhood, so literally. What are they? Humans always dying. Please, someone explain me. Stamp types upon my fluid existence. Anyway, these acronyms to me and all of you, absurd assemblages to categorise ourselves, give me an easy label for my pain. Another thing to come out about, and I will shout about it. My broken parts make me whole, but I'm having trouble. Even Kintsugi needs gild my edges. They're grating on me, but not dark in nature. They just want to be, and I'm trying. But this one-man band, mad pride, gloriously divergent. I believe me, a restorer, neither ignored nor resented, celebrated, I tell myself every morning. Even now, holding me together, won't someone please come? Empathy lives there, grows tired. It's okay, I can rest, gather my strength. I rely on me, long-distance athlete of these hurdles. I hurl myself, apple far from tree, until the same problems poke their ugly heads out, the mouths of newer partners. Kicking myself, forehead slapping. Open book it and somehow fail still to truly let anyone in, never quite joining any team, transmute my cycle of abuse. Think I've escaped that hamster wheel. Nimble mind bouncing like that will pass it out. This life mess. You see, solo running, running, always running. Is that just my hypervigilance peaking? And the thoughts whirl and the feelings grip my guts and my semi-wanted womb. Something that can't quite when the world fates I can barely name head down as time at once speeds drags is clawing its way out justified indifferent at best dancing laughing is illusory too real 
Or maybe just clamouring for something more than this. Seems to circle its end, ears full of sand, only real when it's gone. A hard rock to hang regrets upon. But amongst all this, I'm mad again. <laughs> Pretending sane would be frightening. Brilliant. It doesn't feel like it's in, in a different order to me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds perfect like that. <laughs> yeah. It feels much more disturbing to me when I read it that way, actually. Like, yeah. I don't often read it out that way. I've only performed it once that way before, and it's... Do you have different... Is there, like, an unlimited way of reading it? So he's in, like, three columns, and what I did there was to keep some semblance of, of narrative sense. I read verse... I, I read each verse, but I read the verse column by column rather than left to right. Mm. But you could also read the whole thing in columns, like the whole left column, then the whole centre, then the whole right. Um, and when I was at the latter stage of editing it, I was kind of aware that was what I was doing. So I tried to arrange it like that. But when you tell poems about your mental health, I think they're, they're in, the, in the normal order. There are punchlines in there mm. and bits of lightness. And you own your narrative and like shape it in a certain way and portray yourself in a certain way. But when you mix up the order... Just control. the true chaos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The bits of pain come out without the punchlines straight yeah. after them as a salve. Yeah, yeah mm. no. It's, it's, it's unshaped. Yeah. Like, like the experience, right? It's quite an interesting to the brain. to read it. Like, yeah. yeah. For me, I really that was that was interesting. Was that <laughs> was that reflected? You think in the style that you read it as well that you just performed it? Mm. Did you find yourself like um, reading it in a different way, performing it in a different way? Whenever I perform poetry, I mostly like apart from the very very stagey silly pieces i mostly try and just like put the feelings i'm feeling when i see the words out of my mouth if you know what i mean mm. i'm trying to just like have an emotional experience and like share it mm. um and that was yeah that was what was happening there that was like a bit of a it felt like it was going down a bit of a hole and that's like that's because that's what was actually happening in my mind <laughs> <laughs> Do you go back to how you're feeling when you're writing the poem? This one? Yeah. Or in general? In general. In general, I poetry, like, for me, is one of the best ways I've ever found to, like, access a f what people call a flow state. Like, I have ADHD and I'm terribly distractible and I will do five, six things at the same time and even if I'm working on one task, I'll skip around bits of that task. But... Mm. A poem is like a path or a river or something. You kind of get in it and you are in it. And, like, I like I love that experience. And I've heard people talk about the fact that writing poems is a, like, mindful experience. And lately I've been trying to, like, reclaim that a little. Like, make sure I'm not always just writing with an audience in mind or is this page or is it performance or whatever. Like, just yeah. that, like, writing as an experience for mm -hmm. me. Would, would you say this is the same for you, Eloise, when you write poetry? Because you this is mainly the write, way I write poetry. Yeah, you usually. This is write I'm feeling these go. things right now. Let's explore that on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> and then it just goes, and then some. I edit after. Yeah, 
Oh, I did. But you say when you say explore that on your phone because you write on your. Because I write on my right. phone. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I write in a notebook, and then only yeah. the ones I really like end up getting typed up. Yeah, I used to write in a notebook, but I just I can type faster. It's whatever medium suits you, <laughs> oh, isn't it? interesting. Whatever yeah. medium suits you, I don't think there is any better way, like for everyone. Mm. Can I can I ask you about the uh, you mentioned in um, one of one of your poems you were talking about one of your poems on a blog or something and you mentioned this use of uh, enjambment oh that's the fancy word for, for these messy bastard poems mm. <laughs> really it's a, enjambment it's is kind of, of like tabs and line breaks and positioning of, of yeah. words on the page as far as I understand it um, and I learned that from Charlie who co-runs Poetry Meet You with me in mm. one of our workshops so like when we do our bits of like collaborative writing we do like mini workshops each month I learn things because I am not an educated poet I didn't do an English degree I was a psychology BSc you know like I I have got the education of a few night classes and not that widely read in poetry so like but your your love of words just shines through though in, in the poems <laughs> I mean they're really uh, I mean, I could claim that I've been being told off for talking too much for like my entire life. I have reports from school, so <laughs> yeah. I guess I put it to good use. Mm. But it strikes, but it strikes me actually as as more like literary than um, conversational. Actually, it's um, that's just my thank observation. you. I appreciate that because I often feel quite insecure in the face of like the very literary poets who understand, who know about meter. Which you know, I swear I only fully learned what meter was like this week off a friend. <laughs> like, I swear. <laughs> like, and I'm I'm kind of like I'm a bit deliberately ignorant in that I'm wanting to learn in quite a slow way so I don't poke holes in my enthusiasm. But mm. yeah, and so all... you don't become per- perfectionist. Yeah, exactly. Take... So I don't like over over overload myself with it and shut myself down with a critic because yeah. I think I know a lot of poets who that's happened to. Yeah. Um, and I think also if you're like of intersectional identities like I am like what is the right way it's like well it's more like just the yeah the right way and the way institutions like to say there is a right way Mm. I have learned in my life that I do not work well in institutions Mm -hmm. like I'm self-employed now and I'm a solo performer and like and I think I'm quite cautious of investing too much value in the idea of literary poetry and all the rules of it because I'm like, who set those rules? Mm-hmm. Who says that is better? Yeah. You know, um, it's probably not always people like me, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> is this poem published then? Can we read it? Mad again. It isn't yet published. I've sent it to one or two things, but those were like, uh, competitive as hell, and I and it got rejected because when you send things to okay. get published, like so it's rejection not on is a disability. big part of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not on DAO yet, but if it gets published, I will message you, and okay. uh, and it might be a late link, but it'll be a link. Yeah. I think the other th- tricky thing is is if you write shape poetry, like with using the whole width of the page and everything, is that a lot of places might find that quite tricky to publish like it doesn't read well on a mobile phone yeah because yeah. you've got it here on an a4 piece of paper yeah, yeah i got good advice off simon madrill i've started uh who's a very lovely experienced poet who's very helpful on the in brighton and um i've started formatting my things now in a5 and in the mm. font they're going to be in and stuff because if you do this 
this is going to take a l- when it comes to it's publishing to it, really I'm going to have to real edit yeah. it. <laughs> like, yeah. And like the, the the format there is key to how you're reading it. So yeah, so yeah, it's going to be. You might as well have that limitation from the so start. A bit as, of a puzzle. As as it, it I'm going to try. I've done it once though, and it did kind of work. Yeah. I'm Hopefully. gonna try to put some bits on Instagram, not the whole poem. I think. Yeah, yeah, but no, some... well, you could totally if you. So like... that it can be in that disorder as well. Yeah, <laughs> that would be. Oh, actually, that'd be really fun. Absolutely, and you have the document, don't you? So um, where shall we find you then? Um. Oh, where to find me in social media, etc. So uh, I am at one inky queer on Instagram, and that's the center of where I put my like poetry and information. Um, I gig. Once, twice, three times a week, usually, at various open mics. But I'm almost always at the Actors slash the Marley pub on Tuesdays, which Frankie Jean hosts, who's an amazing poet. Um, And that's a lovely, like, that's like my poetry family. We are there every week, no Mm. matter what state we're in. And we all, like, know each other quite well now. And it's still very open to newcomers as well. And it's just, it's it's a lovely space. I recommend it if you're a poet in Brighton, especially if you're queer, because it's the queer pub. Um, but there are people there as well who aren't queer and who are just a lovely part of that community. Um, so I'm always there and I'll often be at Rebel Soapbox, Words by the Water, Hammer and Tongue the other nights in Brighton. But the big thing coming up um, is uh, Queer the Mic, which is the night that uh, I'm kind of like the, the mangler of ceremonies of, but I'm very much co-hosting with, with Kaz and Becca. Um, and it's going to be all queer and trans performers, lovely, big, sparkly venues, Brunswick. And we've got Aflo the Poet headlining, who was on one of your previous podcasts, who is amazing, just so good. If you haven't seen Aflo, come see Aflo. Um, and we've got Noah Assumptions on the feature, who is hilarious and brilliant. And we're just putting together the open mic now, and our open micers are amazing. I'm like, I don't mean to blow our own trumpet, but like, it's going to be such a good night. So we're really excited. Yeah, so come along 21st of July to the Brunswick. There's a ticket link up on at Queer the Mic on Instagram. Lovely. And I think I'd be remiss not to mention the documentary that you two might. Yes. Yeah. That we are making. Yes. <laughs> you could just talk about that very briefly. Yeah, very briefly. So, uh, for my studies, I'm making a documentary for 20 minutes, and uh, I am doing it with one inky queer. Hey. So it's gonna be more personal. Follow your life a little bit, and go deeper um, into your different identities. <laughs> And how you find space in poetry to exist in these identities. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've no idea how to be in a documentary. It's going to be real interesting. So. <laughs> Just be yourself. Just be yourself and you'll be fine. Yeah, uh, yeah so we'll update you on that in a couple of months. Because <laughs> that's going to take a while to make. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. This I want you to keep queer. I like I could talk about poetry for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and um, see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Je regarde l'autre côté de la rue. Mon regard est accroché par deux femmes qui discutent sous la pluie. Et je dois être excité. Oui, mais il faut dissimuler. Je dois attendre qu'elles se séparent.